All right. Last week, you started a book with John. What is it? Hosea. And Hosea is a very interesting book. You met some characters. Which are they? What's name? Give me name. Jezreel. Oh, yes. And they're like anti. Okay. Let's start with the name of the guy. The guy. Hosea. Hosea. Okay. We got a Hosea. Yes. And he has a wife whose name is? She was a Gomer. 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 Yes. Yep. Gomer was the name of his wife. And then they had three children. Jezreel, Lo-Ru-Hama, and Lo-Ami. Lo? Not my people. Something something. R-U-H-A-M-A-H. Ru-Hama. And Lo-Ami. And then Lo-Ami, right? And one of them meant... Jezreel basically meant in the end. Now, let's let's reel back for a minute. What is Hosea's job? Represent. Um, he represents. Okay, so he's a big P word. What is it? Prophet. And what does a prophet do? Prophesize. He prophesies. And what is a prophecy? Um, a message uh, from God. A message from God the to the people through God. a man, a prophet. Okay, a person. <laughs> yes. So, a, ooh, we're getting there one step at a time. It's pretty rough. The ride is rough, but we're getting there. All right. So, Hosea has a message from God, but more likely, you see, in almost all the prophets especially a man like Ezekiel or Jeremiah, you often see God's message lived out. And Hosea, this is absolutely true. God's message to Israel, the northern kingdom of Israel, was basically Hosea's life. Okay? Hosea was to live this message out. And this was a tough message. Now, remember this. Can go back to the map? Oh, yes. That's All right. Uh, do this. There's the Nile, the Red Sea, right? So, uh, perfectly to scale, this is Israel. Not really, mm -hmm. right? And Israel was broken into a northern and southern kingdom. After a whole bunch of mess happened with Solomon. Solomon was the wisest man ever to live. But his son was about the opposite of that as you could think of. Okay? And while his son came into power, it ended up that the kingdom split in half, and his son ended up with the bottom single tribe of Judah with a little bit of mixed in, but essentially it became the kingdom of Judah. And the only reason his son kept that kingdom was because God made David a promise and said, you will always have someone on the throne of David. Okay, that's the only reason. 
Now, the kingdom eventually filtered away, and who stepped up and became that king on the kingdom of the kingdom of David was Jesus, right? He becomes the king into all eternity. So he is born of that tribe. He is the lion of the tribe of Judah. Okay, he becomes born into that. So he fulfills the promise in the end. But that was one, essentially one tribe. And then Levi, the tribe of Levi, was the tribe of who? Levi. Yes, I know. <laughs> but who were they? What did they do? Priests, okay? So they had jobs, and they were to work. They actually lived in small towns throughout the kingdom. There were concentrations of them, of course, eventually in the capital where the temple was built in Jerusalem. There was huge concentrations of them. They were there to work and teach and work in the temple, okay? And they had jobs to do, slaughter animals, essentially for every sacrifice, and it was a lot of work. If you've ever done anything like that, it's a lot of work to slaughter big animals, and they slaughtered cows by hand, okay? And sheep and goats and birds of all sorts, well, turtle doves and pigeons and things, many, many of them, okay, throughout their careers. They were workers, the priests, the Levites, the priests, okay? And God gave them a special inheritance, and so they didn't really get a kingdom or a part of the kingdom. But the northern tribes, what was left, so there's one and there's two, and how many tribes of Israel are there? Twelve. 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 So we have how many left? We'll check your map. Map. Ten. Okay, so there's ten tribes left in the northern. Yes, there are two half tribes. Okay. Both would have been the tribe of Joseph, but there never was a tribe of Joseph. They each, his two sons, each got half tribes, and they only got counted as one tribe together. So Ephraim and Manasseh, even though their size was fairly large at times. So, Hosea is in the northern kingdom. And in the northern kingdom, they have been turning away from God, and they are actually the first to turn away from God. Once Solomon is done with his kingdom... Rehoboam, his son, takes the southern kingdom. Jeroboam, a complete stranger essentially, takes the northern kingdom as king. And they have many kings after that that rule over the northern kingdom. There is not one single good king in the northern kingdom. All bad, all evil, all doing wrong things. So the northern kingdom crashes and burns over a few hundred years and God's mercy holds them like that but they never get a good king. The southern kingdom will get a good king and a couple of bad kings and then maybe a good king and three or four bad kings and maybe two good kings and a bad king. Okay, So they swap it out quite a bit but they have a few good ones in the southern kingdom. No good ones in the northern kingdom. Bad and worse is what they get. Okay? So their country deteriorates, and by deteriorating, God's main first thing that he says to you in the Ten Commandments is about worshiping him, and only him, right? 
You have no other gods before me. You worship no graven images, no idols. And what do they do? They worship other gods with idols. And they do it again and again and again and again and again and again. And God looks at this as a complete turning around and walking away from God. Turning your back on God and walking away from Him. That's what God looks at as. And after generations, he finally sends in Hosea and says, you've got to tell them my message. It's like we've been married, he says. God and Israel. It's like we've been married. And they have turned their back on me and they've turned away and they have been unfaithful to me. And Hosea the same thing's going to happen to you. Now, it's funny. Israel doesn't look at it like themselves being unfaithful. But they will see Hosea and his wife Gomer and their relationship, and they will point out, oh, that's terrible what happened to him. And the, the message takes time to sink in. All right? Being unfaithful, and it ends up Gomer, she was a prostitute to begin with. Okay? She was unfaithful in her nature. And Hosea went to get her and draw her out of that lifestyle and said, You come and be faithful to me. And today we will find out what happens. Of course, they have three children. Right? One is the northern kingdom will come to an end. That's Jezreel. That's what that means. The northern kingdom will come to an end. So eventually, this kingdom will die out. They will be taken by the Assyrians and brought captive, which will decimate their population. And essentially, eventually, their entire country will be gotten rid of. All right? Eventually, there will be no one left. And uh, the people all around there will infiltrate and take over that entire kingdom. And that will happen all the way until 1940s. And in the 1940s, after World War II, God opened the country back up which has never happened ever in the history of mankind, where all the rest of mankind looks and says, we need to put these people back in their homeland. After the Jewish people went through the Holocaust, the survivors had Israel's borders opened back up to them, even though they, most of them never lived there. It was called Zionism, or coming back to Zion, or back to Israel. They were allowed from all over the world to come back in and repopulate. Never happened before without war, ever. But that didn't happen there. God says, I'm putting you back. So God eventually brought them back, and that's why Israel stands today as a nation, and quite a strong nation today. 50, 70 years ago, okay, that that was put together, more than 70 now. All right? But essentially, the the country of Israel was decimated because they turned from God and turned from God and turned from God. But God made promises. 
Okay, and these promises were good for a long, long time and eventually came back around and God held to his promises even after a decimation. So, yes, the northern kingdom will end, but there will be a return eventually. Okay, and we've seen that happen. All right, so, relationships. What happens in some marriages... Some marriages is that things fall apart at times. And a lot of times people say, well, we just lost the spark. Okay? Or I don't love her or him anymore. Okay? Lost love. Sometimes that happens. But most of the time, the real truth is this. They might say, well, I found another person, or uh, it's more interesting with another person, or more fulfilling. But what oftentimes happens from this is uh, human nature gets in the middle of this. Human nature. And what happens to it is selfishness begins to reign in the marriage. In any relationship, this can happen. It doesn't matter. It can be a friendship. But in a marriage, it's particularly... Uh, destructive to the family. And our society, our world, is filled with relationships that have been broken. Filled with them. All over the place. They're all around us. They're happening to us. And the goal of this is to to understand the depth of what that means and to understand what faithfulness is. Okay, that's what the book of Hosea is, and to see that there is hope with it. All right, so oftentimes, like I said, there becomes something selfish. One person, or maybe both, becomes selfish enough to say, I don't care what you want. What I want is what I'm going to get. If you are going to remain in any good relationship, it takes give and take, both sides, right? That is super difficult at times, and it is against our nature to do it, right? So Gomer is no different. She has lived a lifestyle of unfaithfulness, and now she's being drawn back, uh, drawn back into a faithful um, marriage. And then we're going to see what happens. Now, all relationships start out exciting. <clears throat> this is going to be great. I love this person. It's fantastic. And then the truth is, after you find that love of your life, and you someday will be Twitterpated by some person. It'll be amazing. Make your heart leap. And it's going to be fantastic. But over time, as your relationship grows, and say you get married to a person, things kind of aren't as exciting as they once were. This doesn't mean, ah, it's boring, I leave, though. What this means is, I made a promise, and so I stick to it. And when you do that, you find more depth. In your relationship. When you stick to the promise, you find more depth. So, 
same thing with the with the Jewish people. Do you remember when they came out of they came out of Egypt, right? And they ended up crossing the Red Sea. And they were all very excited because they were they they'd just been saved from slavery from Egypt. And they were excited to follow God, and they were going to do great things, and it was going to be great, and we've been marching along here, we're going to do things. And pretty soon, they ended up just complaining. Time and time and time again. Complained about the food, complained about the water, complained about this, complained about that. And yet, they had just gotten taken out of bondage, slavery. They were, they were slaves with forced labor. They had to make bricks and mortar and build buildings with taskmasters over top of them. Right? It's not a good thing what they were doing. They were in slavery. They didn't have a choice of what they're doing. Finally, God freedom brings them out into the wilderness and after a while they're like, don't you remember Egypt? Don't you remember we used to sit around? Oh, food tasted so good. We used to have leeks, which are like onions. We used to have melons. We eat melons and fish. Wasn't it great? And now we're out here wandering around in the wilderness eating manna every day. And they got complaining. And complaining and complaining more and more and more. And God says, you missed a point here, right? I am trying to teach you to be faithful in this whole thing. And all you can do is look back and imagine how good it was somewhere else. That's human nature to do that, though. And we're going to find this is exactly what happens to Gomer. All right? So let's turn to Hosea, chapter number 2. Hosea chapter 2, we're going to read verse uh, 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5, please. Say ye unto your brethren, Ami and your sisters, Ruham. Plead with your mother, plead, for she is not my wife, neither am I her husband. Let her therefore put away her borders out of her sight and her adulteries from between her breasts. Let her strip her naked and set her as in the day that she was born and make her as a wilderness and set her like a dry land and slay her with her sleep. And I will not have children, for they would be children of boredoms. For their mother hath played the harlot, she that conceived them hath done shamefully, for she said, I will go after my lovers that give me my bread and my water, my wool and my flax, mine oil and my drink. Okay, so here she is, Gomer. Now, it starts out with a weird thing, right? I thought the name of the kids, the very first verse of chapter 2 says, there is Ruama and Ami. Okay. But low means no. Low means no, yes, right? And so this is the father, this is Hosea, pleading with the kids to talk to their mother, saying, remember what low, ru- low ruhamo meant? Not having attained mercy. 
Okay. Low meant no mercy. Okay. Low Rama and Loami meant not my people or not my God. Right? Not my God. In other words, you don't belong to me. Which is a weird name for kid, right? But again, <laughs> Hosea is living out God's message to the people. So this is the purpose of this. This is a very unusual thing. It doesn't happen very often that God would do this. But essentially, he says, Hosea says, talk to your mother and tell her Ruhama. In other words, mercy. Tell her, not, not my God, but you're my people. My God, come back to me. Have a relationship with me. Tell her that because she's run away and gone back to be unfaithful to me again. She ran away. She ran away and she's been unfaithful. And if she continues to be unfaithful, I will have no choice but to expose the things that, have, that she's been doing. I'm going to have to let other people know that she has been unfaithful to me. And it's like she'll just be out there standing all alone and everybody can see her. She'll be out there and she will have no hope because she's been unfaithful. Right? Again, the parallel message is God is saying this to Israel. You've gone back to these gods. You've gone back to unfaithfulness. I draw you to me, and then you fall away. And I draw you to me, and you fall away. Remember, we just finished the book of Judges not long ago, and what happened every single judge, every single time? They came to God. They finally got their act straight. They lived through that judge. The judge died, and they turned away. And they did it again and again, again, and again. And that is the nature of humans oftentimes. We get bored, we get tired, we fall away, it looks better, the grass is greener on the other side, we get selfish about things, and we turn away. So this message is not just for uh, Gomer, right? It is for Israel and really for us to understand our relationship with God. Okay? So, this is the worst part. When she lived with, with Hosea, he gave her everything. He gave her food. He gave her drink. He gave her wealth and riches. And she turned away and says, I don't want it. I'm going back. Just like the Israelites, oftentimes, uh, uh, just like the Israelites, oftentimes turn back and says, "Oh, don't you remember what it was like in Egypt with the onions and the melons and all? Oh, it was so great." They forget they were a slave. They forgot. They may have had a melon once or once in a while, but they were slaves. It didn't matter. One little thing they were worried about, and they'd give up their entire freedom for a taste of a melon. And that is just the way we humans often do things, right? We turn away from God. We choose sin. 
easily. We do it easily. We roll back into it easily. And then we repent and we say, oh, we need to change. And God talks to us and shows us things. And then we say, I know what, I never want to do that again. And then we turn back. It happens to us again and again and again. And why is it that it happens to us? Well, we struggle so often. We have habits and we struggle and it leads to this unrest in our life. Right? When we go back to sin, we're not happy. But then God turns and helps us and draws us out and changes us and we go back to be faithful to God and we say, oh, this is so boring. I want to do something so, it was so better, so much better when it was back there. And we so easily forget. And that's what Gomer did. She went right back to her old lifestyle, changed and went back. Okay? Threw away everything to go back. Because we are short-sighted by things. So often, we are short-sighted. All right, so. Go and talk to your mother about this. You, she's done the wrong thing. She's done the bad thing. Let's go to chapter 2, verse number 6. We're going to read through verse 13, please. Therefore, behold, I will hedge up me thy way with thorns and make a wall, and she shall not find her paths. And she shall follow after her lovers, but she shall not overtake them. She shall, she shall seek them, but not... This is what God's going to do. And I think this is what Hosea did. Hosea was giving her money. Right? She's his wife. She's giving her money. And she left him. And so she said, I'm going to cut her. Or he said, I'll just cut her all of her money off. All the wealth I was giving to her, I'm going to cut it all off chop it out and she's not going to get it and what's going to happen is she's going to end up not having anything and all the things she's used to having the nice things she's used to having she's going to go out and try to find it other places and she's really not going to have it there 
and it's going to all fall apart. Her plan to try and get everything is going to fall apart. That's really what God is doing to Israel, right? Go ahead. Go after your gods. Go after all those other gods. Go after, be unfaithful to me, he says. Go ahead. And you'll find that everything that I've given you will shrivel up. If you don't want what my relationship with you gives, which is uh, plenty and all sorts of good things, I make your vines grow. I feed you. I give you things. I bring blessings to you every day in your life. And if you turn your back on me, the only way I can get you to see what you're doing is to dry all that up. So he does. He dries it up. And eventually, Israel does see. Oh, wow. He didn't realize that you were everything. I thought I was doing all this on my own. And really, in the end, God provides us everything. It's easy for us, easy for us, to think that we just got it all on our own. We're all set. We could take care of ourselves. But... In the end, God watches over us every day in ways that we have no idea. He watches over us. And so that comes down to a big choice in life. And you're going to look and you're going to say, what am I going to do? Now, one of the greatest illustrations I think C.S. Lewis ever used... Uh, because it's a personal thing to me, it's, it's meant a lot to me, is with Eustace. You remember Eustace? Eustace was a nasty little boy, and Eustace treated everybody mean, and Eustace was kind of a selfish little guy. And I can uh, relate to that at times. But what happened to Eustace was this. He went to a place and he ended up trying to get a bunch of treasure for himself. He stuck a bracelet on from this dragon's treasure and he ended up turning into a dragon. And there was no way out of it. And essentially what it meant was he was nasty and scaly and no one wanted to be around him, right? A dragon is not a friendly pet, okay, as what was supposed to be. It's not a cartoon type of thing. This was supposed to be this, and he couldn't get close to anybody anymore. And you remember the only thing that could happen was Aslan the lion came in and descaled him. That's how, who could change him. And he said, Aslan came with his claws and dug into me and ripped the scales off of me. And he said, it hurt so bad, but it was a good hurt. And that's how Aslan changed him back from a dragon into somebody good. He had to take the scales off. That's what happens with God. This whole back and forth with Hosea and Gomer shows how God looks at his people. Right? He looks at us and loves us, but he looks and he sees someone that's selfish and needs change, but doesn't even realize it. Just like Eustace didn't realize he was a dragon for a while. And then when he finally realized he was a dragon, there was nothing he could do about it. 
until Aslan came along and says, I will change you. And it's the same thing. We don't realize what we're like to other people. We become selfish and thoughtless, and it's easy for us to do it. But what God says is, I will come and change you. So you make a choice in this life. After you have found God, you make a choice how you're going to live. Right? Here's the truth of it all. And we're going to go to Jesus, uh, some words that Jesus had talked about. We're actually going to go in Romans chapter 6 and look at the choice. Book of Romans chapter number 6, verse 17. I want you to follow along. I'm going to read this through and we will finish up in Hosea in a minute. But chapter 6 of the book of Romans, verse number 17. As it talks about our two choices. I want you to look and see what our two choices are in this life. But God be thanked that you were the servants of sin. But you have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered to you. Being then made free from sin, you became servants of righteousness. I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh, or the sickness of your flesh. For as you have yielded your members, servants to uncleanness, and to iniquity, unto iniquity, even so now you yield your members, servants to righteousness, unto holiness. For when you were servants of sin, you were free from righteousness." What fruit had you then in those things, whereof you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now being made free from sin and become servants to God, you have your fruit unto holiness and the end of everlasting er, and the end everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So you have choice in one matter between two things. Do you know what it is? You don't have a choice for one thing, but you do have a choice in another. You and me and all of humans do not have a choice. We are going to be a slave. To something in this life. What are we a slave to? Well, we come out of our mother's womb, we're a slave to one thing. And as a slave to that one thing, we are free from the other thing. But we can choose to not be a slave to that. We come out and we are a slave to sin. You have no choice. I have no choice. But you can go to God and say, I don't want to be a slave to sin. You don't think you're a slave to sin? I bet you repeat the same things again and again and again. And I bet if you really wanted to try to stop it, you couldn't stop it for a long time. In fact, I guarantee you, you can't. You might be able to stop a bad habit for a little while. But without the help of God, you cannot change those habits. That's just truth. They have programs like Alcoholics Anonymous. And one of the very first things they do with changing a very difficult, hard habit of being uh, an alcoholic 
the very, one of the very first things they do is they bring you to God. So you can't do it without that. That's what they do. So you are either going to be this. You're going to be a slave to sin. Or you can choose to be free from sin and be a slave to righteousness. You could be obedient to God and be a slave to righteousness or a slave to sin. Your, your members, your hands, fingers, toes, eyes, ears, nose, brain are going to be a slave to something in this world. You don't get that choice. I don't get that choice. What are you going to be a slave to? The end of sin... When you remain a slave to sin, the end of it's death. That's that's your final. When you are a slave to righteousness, the end of it is life eternal. So you make a choice. What are you going to do? What are you going to choose? And it is difficult. You allow God to come in and change you and make you something different. But either way, you're stuck being a slave. So am I. You choose what it is, and you can say, well, I don't want to be a slave at all. You're going to be, one way or another. Do you want to be free from sin? Then go to God. Let Him change you. Become a slave to righteousness. If you want to be free from God, be a slave to sin. Either way, you're making a choice, one way or another. You choose what you want to do. And the end consequences are that. You're not going to change them. If you choose to do that, you'll go to death. And not just dying here in the physical world, you will never live eternal life with God. Alright? You're going to choose righteousness, you're going to have life, eternal life with God. It's just up to you. No one else can do it for you. I can't do it for you. Parents can't do it for you. It's a personal choice. You make it. And that's it. So, what happens, what does God do back in Hosea? So we finish up today. Back in Hosea, and I just want to read a couple verses for time's sake here. Hosea chapter number four or chapter number two, verse number fourteen. Therefore, behold, I will allure her, allure her, and bring her into the wilderness and speak comfortably to her. I will give her vineyards from thence and from the valley of Achor for a door of hope, and she shall sing there as in the days of her youth and as in the days of when she came up out of the land of Egypt. So God draws us in. And this is what I think exactly happened with Hosea and Gomer. He brought her out. They finally had it out somewhere. And they had a conversation. And he brought her into a place, a private place, off in the woods somewhere. He drew her in by loving her. And showing her how much he loved her. And then he brought back all of the things once she said, okay, I'm coming back with you. Once she decided that, he brought back all of those things. The, the food and the wealth and all the things that she, he was providing before because the idea was to get her to turn back. That was the idea. 
And that's God's idea for you. As you struggle in this life, even after you've made a choice for God, you will find struggles are not over. Right? You struggle in this life and you'll fight in this life and God says, are you going to yield to me or not? I'll change you if you let me. Sometimes those struggles go on for hours or days or weeks or months, sometimes years. Those struggles are in life. Very difficult. But God wants you to give yourself over and say, I surrender it to you. I'm okay with it. You take it, God. You, you do what you need to with me. Right? And when you get that, you finally get peace. Just like Gomer going back, she's not happy when she runs away. But when she finally goes back, she brings back peace in her life. Okay? Next week we'll continue on. Thank you very much. Have a good day.